Hey, and welcome to Industry Night with me, Nikki Nellis, the show that takes you on the deep dive of what's happening in the food, wine, and hospitality scene. Now, normally I'm talking to you live from the Wine Lair, which is a gorgeous uh, private wine club in downtown DC. But today I'm someplace different. I am at the Wells. You can't really see because all I got is a curtain behind me. But the Wells is a part of Hollis Wells Silverman's empire um she's got the duck and the peach she's got the wells which is this fabulous bar and then she's got la colleen so three incredible properties in one space and we're here today because napa valley vintners are in town so napa valley vintners is an association of the over 500 members of winemakers and vineyards out in napa valley they are here specifically to pour for the trade. That's why they're here today. They're also pouring uh, all around the city. So if you're lucky enough, you're invited to one of those wine dinners. I am. Uh, but also they're marching their little tushies up to the hill because there are some amazing, important things that need to be discussed. And that is why they are here today. But before I bring on today's guests, let me tell you a little bit about where I've been. So uh, Oyster Oyster, uh, for those of you who don't know, it is one of the best restaurants in the city, one of the few restaurants that is plant-based dining only. It is a tasting menu and they are doing incredible things. Rob Ruba and his team really know how to present plant-based food in a way that is different in a casual setting, especially for a tasting menu. And I might add, um, there is oyster. That's why it's called Oyster Oyster. The whole deal with Rob is Everything is plant-based but the oyster because oysters are natural aquifiers, so it's all good for the environment. Um, also, natural wine fans, they got your number. Okay, also another James Beard nominee, Cosa. Um, I've talked about it before. I never did the tasting menu before. I was upstairs in Amazonia. Um, this is a Peruvian tasting experience by Chef Carlos Delgado. It is outrageous. And there is lots of amazing food, a very heavy fish focus. So a whole sushi uh, component is included. Also, he's doing, he's doing these full fish, um, a whole bunch of different kinds, a lot of fish that I've never heard of all out of Peru. What I'm finding really interesting is, is that it's really, really expensive. Um, the tasting menu is actually not that expensive. But if you decide to order the whole fish, the whole fish is really expensive, like 200 plus, sometimes 300 plus, also a 400 plus, which is a lot of money for a whole fish. Now, the, the fish is fantastic, but I am going to bring Chef Delgado on at some point to talk about why that fish is so expensive. So if you haven't had a chance to go to Casa, I definitely recommend checking it out or go upstairs to Amazonia where the bar is putting out amazing cocktails and the food is amazing. Everybody's talking about Little Vietnam. I did go. It's in the old Himitsu space. Really tasty uh, Vietnamese cuisine, obviously. Something to check out is the Ban Zhou, which is a turmeric crepe made with coconut milk and rice flour. It is gluten-free, but it's the filling. It's filled with shrimp and pork and bean sprouts and mung beans, and it is so delicious. So you definitely want to check that out. Lastly, baked in wire, 22 years. Um, if you ever go to Georgetown, you see a bunch of people standing online for stupid Georgetown cupcake. Walk away. You should be moving down to Baked and Wired, some of the best baked goods in the city. Uh, pro tip, get the beasting. It's my favorite. Okay, now on to today's show. So um, if you've been tuning in for over the last seven years, 
Uh, I have had the pleasure of talking to winemakers uh, from the Napa Valley region. And that is because of my relationship with Napa Valley Vintner. They come here every year, except for the last three because of COVID. Um, and they bring in a bunch of winemakers, as I explained, to go up on the hill and explain their priorities, what's happening for them. So now during the pandemic, I was really lucky because I was able to do a couple of shows with them where we were able to talk about how the pandemic was hitting them. But now they're back. They're back in town for the first time in three years. They're pouring for the trade. They're pouring all over town and they're going up on the hill to talk about their pri uh, priorities. So here with me today is Teresa Wall. She is Senior Director of Communications at Napa Valley Vintners. Emma Swain, she is CEO of St. Supri Estate Vineyards and Winery. And Jamie Orojo, who is the Director of Connections and Strategy at Twakna. So um, I'm so excited for you to sit back, relax, grab a glass of wine and tune into our conversation. And now on to today's show. So for those of you who've been tuning in to me for the last seven years, yes, this show has been on air for seven years. You have heard me over the years talk to the Napa Valley Vintners. Now that is an association that takes care of all the members of wineries and vineyards in Napa County. Now I have Teresa Wall with me today. She is going to explain exactly what that means. But our talks in the past were so different because they were all pre-COVID. And we were talking about very different priorities five years ago, seven years ago. And now today, things have changed greatly. And I'm so excited because I also have Emma Swain with me, who is the CEO of St. Supreme Estates um, Vineyards and Winery, and also Jamie Orojo, who is uh, the Director of Connection and Strategy. And I'm going to try to say this correctly because my French sucks. Trois very good. Am I close? All right, good. So I'm so excited you all are here because between sustainability, climate change, forest fires, COVID, there is so much that the wine world has had to deal with. Teresa, I'd love to start with you. Could we give everybody just a little 411 on Napa Valley Vintners, who you are, what you do, and what you do for your members? Sure. Thanks for having us uh, here today, Nikki. Mm -hmm. um, Napa Valley Vintners, we are one of the most successful wine trade associations uh, in the world. We have more than uh, 550 members. Um, and when you hear that number, you might think, wow, that's quite astounding that Napa Valley is such a small region has so many members. Um, what um, is interesting about that is that 78% uh, of our members make less than 10,000 cases. And so what that tells you is that um, the majority of Napa Valley is made up of really small producers and 95% uh, of those producers are family owned. Mm -hmm. And so as an organization, our role is to not only promote the region and our wineries, but also to put in place protections so that uh, the future of the Napa Valley will hopefully look much like it does today. Mm -hmm. And so that really encompasses the majority of our work um, to promote, protect, and enhance our region for generations to come. Well, for those who maybe don't, you know, there's sort of this, especially us East Coasters, we think of Napa as just this region that's all wine country in California. Is, can you give us a complete understanding of what the region is, what it encompasses? It's it's a, actually a really small region. So our name is uh, quite big, uh, the most recognizable name in the United States mm -hmm. um, in the world of wine, uh, very recognizable. And so oftentimes because of that big name impact, people think that we're a very large region. And in fact, um, we're a really small region. We produce only 4% of all California wine. 
and um, our name precedes us. And so right. uh, there's a misconception about the size of um, the Napa Valley. So because we're a very small um, community, uh, I would say that um, our vintners are extremely connected. And that's one of the um, uh, great mechanisms that we bring to um, the industry is bringing our vintners together and creating this really nice um, tight-knit community um, of folks who uh, work together to achieve more in Napa Valley. And on that note of community, I know, I, you know, you guys are, all of you, on all of your websites, you all talk about community and focus yeah. uh, as a part of your focus for what you do. Can we talk about sort of the mission, like Napa Green, all the different things that you all do and how that is affected among the wineries? I think to, to sum it all up, it's about leadership. And uh, in Napa Valley, we are leaders uh, on uh, many different fronts, environmental, um, uh, workforce, um, the, the, we, we attract leaders, we attract innovators, uh, to our valley. And, um, that's really what it's all about. And that's, um, it was founded by, uh, uh, folks who went out in the world and wanted to make a name for our region. And that's exactly what they did. And that was through, uh, their leadership. And I think that that spirit is really continued today. And again, I think that that word community, you do see it a lot because it's a really, um, it's a, a true passion um, and um, a true value that we have in our community is working together mm -hmm. to achieve more. And just lastly, before we get into these two, can we talk about Napa Green and what it is? Yeah. Well, I think that uh, you've got a great panel of folks who can tell you all about Napa Green. So from a okay. very high level, yes. um, I can say that it, um, in the early 2000s, we partnered with several organizations uh, to create uh, a sustainability program that would go above and beyond um, and because that's what we do. Uh, and it was um, in the beginning, it was very tailored. Uh, the focus was to be tailored to um, the individual site to make sure that there was a plan uh, that worked to achieve um, uh, a winery's uh, to make a winery the, as sustainable as it could be that was very individualized. Mm -hmm. And over the course of time, the program has uh, developed and changed um, as it should, because nothing should stand still. Um, and if it does, then it's not a very good program. Right. So Napa Green is about um, evolving. And that's what uh, the Napa Green program is today. It's focused on climate action. It's mm -hmm. focused on regenerative farming. Um, and it's uh, focused on social responsibility. And so I feel like ding, 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 all the things exactly. that we need to talk all the about. tenants that we should be talking about in mm -hmm. today's world. And so it's a really great program that encompasses all of those things. Okay. On that note, I mean, at the end, we'll talk about actually why you, why you are all here today. Um, so Emma Swain. So nice to meet you. Thank you so, so nice much. nice to meet you, Nikki. For joining in. I think the only mistake we have right now is that none of us have wine in front of us. We should oh, fix that next yeah. time around. Yeah. Okay. Tell us a little bit about how you wound up in the wine world. Well, I went to school at a wine school, UC Davis, and so I really wanted to go into wine, and I thought there can't possibly be any money in wine, so I went into public accounting, but then I, I was pulled to wine, and I ended up starting in the wine business 30 years ago, working for the Coppola family. And who knew that your accounting skills would be so necessary as a CEO, <laughs> correct? It's always handy to have a good financial background. Right. Okay, so, but let's just talk a little bit about how you went 
from just working in wine to being the head of a winery and what that means and what that you know entails? So I started as a controller for the Coppola family, and I mm-hmm. helped them purchase the Inglenook property mm-hmm. back in the early 90s. And I just um, want to tell you that growing up when I was really young, there was a big jug of Inglenook in my parents' fridge. I don't think they ever drank it. I just, it was like in the back of the fridge. Anyway, somebody brought it over. Somebody brought it over at some point. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of those memories that you just pull out. Well, it was a spectacular property mm-hmm. um, and grow some really great Cabernet Sauvignon there in Rutherford. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful place. And so I ended up working on that project and then I got recruited to work for the Sebastiani family. Mm. And at the time they were an 8 million case winery and I was the chief operating officer there. Um, after we sold part of it. So I was there for 13 years and mm-hmm. then um, came over to St. Supery. And let's talk about a little bit about the winery. I mean, it's obviously a very well-known winery, but for those who maybe haven't had the pleasure, can we talk about the kinds of wines you're doing and just how it works on the winery? Absolutely. So I think the, the one thing that uh, we have in common with Napa Green is every year we try to make things better. Mm. And that's really consistent at St. Supery. We focus on Sauvignon Blanc and Cabernet Sauvignon and Red Bordeaux varietals. Mm-hmm. And we grow all of our fruit ourselves. And so that gives us great control over the vineyard. And we're able to every year taste wine, taste and compare the notes to what we did in the vineyard and make sure that we're making adjustments. Each year we can tweak things a little bit more, improve our practices, both from a sustainability perspective and from a quality perspective. Well, So for you, what does sustainability mean? What, how, what does that look like on a a vineyard your size so our we have almost 1600 acres in Mm -hmm. napa valley and uh, almost 550 plus uh, acres of vineyard and so for for me it's about ensuring we're growing with great quality Mm -hmm. we're paying attention to the water usage we're making things better every year and we have a healthy vineyard healthy soils and that the vineyard 20 years from now is in a better state than it is today. Well, so Teresa mentioned uh, regenerative. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if a lot of people really know what that means and how it applies to what you're doing to the vines or on the land. Right. So we um, really are avoiding tilling. We're avoiding herbicides. We're using sheep. Um, we just had 700 ewes out for several months doing just, two passes. They just eat, uh, they just eat the, the cover crops, mm-hmm. rapidly compost that back into the soil. And they work really hard, round mm-hmm. the clock, practically. You know, wow. they, they do get breaks and they work hard. Uh-huh. Um, and then we have two. They don't nibble. Do they go for the grapes or the leaves at all? So, like, do, do you get a rogue? Is there any rogues out there? We have to move them out once we have bud break. <laughs> and we do use them to um, manage the hillsides as well. And we've had uh, cows most years. We have cows grazing the hillsides as well to keep the grasses down mm-hmm. and to, um, you know, allow that that grazing to happen. But we encourage the biodiversity. I mean, California is the most biodiverse state. Right. Right. And where we are in Napa Valley, it's like a hot spot of biodiversity. If you think mm-hmm. of biodiversity being red in the United 
United States, we're just radiating out this dark red and you go across the country and it would be completely white until you sort of hit Tennessee and the Everglades. I mean, we're we're in a really cool location. We mm -hmm. have wildflowers where we are that aren't seen anywhere else in Northern California. We have the National Audubon Society bird count every January one on our property. And in a 24 hour period, they can find 75 to 100 different species That's just of birds in, wow. in the dead of the winter. So it's it's really a remarkable place. And so we want to encourage that. And that biodiversity enables us to farm in a way that we're working with the current system, right? Mm -hmm. We encourage bluebirds. We have hundreds of bluebird boxes. They eat leafhoppers. And so, you know, we're, we're working with that natural order and trying to encourage it as much as possible because nature will balance itself. Sure. And for those who don't know about Rutherford dust, do you want to tell us what that is? Sure. I mean, for me, Rutherford dust is the texture, the tannins, mm -hmm. that really, really fine grained tannin that's like silk and elegance on the palate. Mm -hmm. And that comes through in the wine. It totally comes through in the and wine. Just what kind of wines are we tasting like here today? So today we're tasting um, our mountain wines from mm -hmm. our Dollarhide Vineyard. Mm -hmm. One is our Dollarhide Cabernet Sauvignon. It's 100% Cabernet Sauvignon from a vineyard that was parcel that was planted in 1983. Mm -hmm. And great old vine, great structure, but also a lot of layers of flavor. The parcel is an undulating hillside, and we pick it multiple times mm -hmm. um, during the harvest season. And we ferment it in concrete and in oak uprights. We do a whole berry barrel fermentation as well in hmm. small French oak barrels and then some in stainless steel. So here it is. It's a, a single parcel mm -hmm. Cabernet Sauvignon, 100% Cabernet Sauvignon, but it could have 30 lots in it when we do the final blend. And it's just got layers of, of texture. It's a really well-structured wine, very bold, but also very fresh. Mm. You know, we ferment all of our wines dry and it's got this bright uh, freshness, except the Moscato, which we intentionally leave a little sugar. <laughs> There's a reason for that there's right a there's a total that. reason for that okay when we get back when we all get together i want to talk about water because you mentioned it absolutely and, energy, and what that looks like but i wanted to get to you hi hi, hi jamie okay there we go yes thank you <laughs> thank you for the mic switch hi nikki so, so nice so to be here thanks nice for having us here too so tell us a little bit about you and your uh ascent into the wine business <laughs> ascent descent no ascent right um yes, so ascent. ascent obviously right one stage um, to another yeah no my name's jamie araujo and uh my family's actually been in the wine business in napa valley since about 1990 okay um my parents had a, a property that they bought and they were making some beautiful cabernets and sauvignon blancs um, hmm. for many many years i was actually living in europe at the time Time, um, doing all kinds of other things uh, and eventually like, come on give us an example <laughs> um, so I was in academia for a while um, I was an actor in London for a little while mm. and then uh, fell um, into a really wonderful spot at a company that made champagne and cognac um, which is kind of a lovely way to start but not in London in London. Okay. Absolutely. They promoted me and moved me to Paris. So I ended mm. up in France and then went back, got my MBA and started my own company uh, doing uh, marketing and strategy specifically for the wine industry. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, one of my um, first and best clients was the Napa Valley Vintners, believe oh. it or not. So I, I, totally I used believe to be a that. vendor. I used to be a vendor back in the day. Um, and um, then... 
When uh, my parents sold their previous property and started a new project, I had an opportunity to move back to the U.S. and become mm-hmm. a partner in that and also to found my own wine brand, Tuanwa, which mm-hmm. is what I have here today. Right. Three nuts. Three nuts. Who are the three nuts? Exactly. Um, you know, originally uh, it was sort of a nod to the next generation of my family, but really today we're very focused on our kind of three guiding principles of mm-hmm. community, possibility, and opportunity. Mm-hmm. And what does that actually mean? That actually means that we are as focused on running our business as a force for good in the community as we are making really delicious wines. Well, so what kind of wines are you making and how are you going about it? Because I know you're into um, biodynamic. We do have some biodynamic and organic vineyards. Um, mm-hmm. And we also have some that we're working uh, to um, actually bring them into regenerative farming, which mm-hmm. is really exciting and wonderful okay. um, as a partnership with our growers. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Tuanwa, we make uh, several different wines. We have a tiny little lot of rosé. We do a couple of vineyard designates. I can't believe you didn't bring me rosé. <laughs> Go ahead. We only make 80 cases. Okay, so okay. <laughs> Usually club members only. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, we make a couple of Sauvignon Blancs. Uh, a Chardonnay, which we have here today, mm-hmm. um, our red blend, Noisette Cuvée, uh, two Vineyard Desident Cabernets, a Merlot, and a Cab Franc coming out later t- this year. Oh, wow. Amazing. Yes. And so how do you use organic or biodynamic? How are you using those sort of features in your wines? Um, you know, my family has always been very dedicated to organic and biodynamic farming. Mm-hmm. Um, my family were the very first biodynamic certified producer in Napa Valley. Okay, for those Believe who don't know, not. I mean, I know what biodynamic is, but can we yes. just give a little tutorial on it? Okay. Because a lot of people think it's like voodoo. Yes. And, you know, I think it's funky. There's an it's argument a, to be made. It's interesting. But, um, I think it's super interesting. <laughs> it is. The way I usually describe it to people, because, you know, if you want to go into the actual ins and outs of it, it's it's war and peace. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there's tomes and tomes. Um, I I always say it's a little bit like uh, traditional Chinese medicine for vines mm. or for for, for agriculture. I like that description too. Um, and and really, I think everybody after the last few years can understand the concept of when you are healthier, mm-hmm. you're more resistant to whatever comes along, whether it's stress or disease. Mm-hmm. Um, and our vineyards are no different. Uh, so I think that biodynamics is certainly very important. I would say for us at Tuanwa, um, equally important is uh, the social justice aspect of what we do. Okay. Um, there's no environmental justice without social justice. It's something mm-hmm. that we believe in very strongly. And so what does that look like for you? Um, that looks like uh, creating and um, supporting a really wonderful wonderful, diverse team. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like being very intentional about how we share our wines, where we share our wines, um, and the kind of communities that we actually specifically are working with. Um, and it also means going up and down the chain of everything that we do and making sure that people are making a living wage, making sure that um, you know everyone who's involved in our brand, from vendors uh, to the winery to the vineyard, are actually um, being looked after and thought about and taken care of. Mm-hmm. Which is so important. And, Huge. you know, with that, I, I want to open it up because we have, well, we're four women, but I'm just not, I'm a, a voyeur of the wine biz and an enjoyer of the wine biz, but not in the wine biz. But here I have three women who are leaders in the wine industry. And Teresa, I want to take it back to what you were talking about earlier. Um, 
with all or we can go to Napa Green or we can talk about fire mitigation. I mean, there's so many top issues right now that you're all dealing with. It's one of the reasons that you're here today. So let's talk about why, other than for this beautiful trade event and all the tastings that are happening around the city right now, what is the main reason for bringing all these winemakers and um, uh, people here today? So uh, the impetus of coming to D.C. Mm -hmm. uh, is to meet uh, with members of Congress uh, to let them know about some of the challenges that we face in the wine industry uh, and how they can help and support uh, what we are doing. Uh, California is the fourth largest producer of wine in the world. Mm. And um, I think people don't really recognize that. It's an extremely important industry here in the United States. And if we don't come and let them know what we're doing in the industry, how important this industry is to people and the challenges we face, then um, we can't get um, the assistance we need. And so uh, that's what we're here to do. Uh, we have a team of vintners who are leaders in our industry who are going to be uh, meeting with members of Congress over the course of two days. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's kind of like a, a quick um, uh, uh, run of show. They're going to be running all around, uh, meeting with people, uh, and hopefully make an impact. Mm -hmm. And so that's really uh, the impetus of why we're here. And then, of course, while we're here, uh, we get to do uh, the fun things um, in the wine industry, which is meet all the incredible people who live and work here in Washington, D.C., um, in the Metroplex area, and uh, share some of our beautiful wines with the amazing people who work in the wine industry. I, I don't know anyone uh, who works in the wine industry who came to it um, because they thought they were going to get really far in life. I think everyone came into the wine industry with a passion um, and they were drawn to it probably first because of the product and second because of the people. Sure. And um, so we're very fortunate uh, to be here to meet um, folks in the Washington, D.C. area and share our product. Well, and I yes, would just and I just say there's one thing that I think um, because the Napa Valley Vintners are, are truly um, amazing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think Teresa has been very humble about it, but it is really the the preeminent um, association of of wine growers and, and wineries pretty much in the world. And the work that they do is absolutely extraordinary. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the really great things that they do for us as, as wineries is give us the chance to really um, build and, and create community together. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are a teeny tiny valley. We're very small towns. Like you can't help but know everyone because <laughs> we just live very close to each other. Right. But being able to come with all of these wineries and maybe there are some people you haven't met before and now you're in DC and you can have a drink or you can go to dinner. You can actually get to know them in a way that you might not otherwise do. Mm -hmm. I think it's an incredible opportunity that the vintners provide and they do trips all over the country and all over the world mm -hmm. um, for, for collections of vintners. And it's a really, it's a beautiful way in which we can, we can build our community too, which is nice. Well, I love hearing that here. We'll switch for a second. Um, because it, it, that those getting out of town is so important sometimes to get away, to talk with other people that maybe you don't get to talk to all the time. But since you are in DC and we are in Capitol Hill and you are going up to the Hill, you know, Emma, tell me about some of the things that are real priorities for you and the winery. 
So for our discussion on the Hill for, you know, really to help with fire mitigation, we've contributed, we raised an extra $2.1 million this fall to Mm -hmm. work, um, to be fire safe. And it's super important to be prepared and to be leaders, not to just say, Hey, we've had this disaster and twice, twice, 2020, right. You had it twice. Yeah. At 2020, there were 1400 fires started that night, um, across the state. Um, it was really quite remarkable, Mm -hmm. but we did have it twice and we've been working to not have it again ever since the first one and Mm -hmm. really focusing and groups of vintners and community members working together to set up, uh, neighborhoods to work together to clear and to, um, work with the community, with the state, with the city, with the county, with, um, public and private interests to do our best to not have this sort of disaster again and to make sure we have access in the case of a disaster to the hospital, to the roads, to, to the people to get out safely Mm -hmm. and to be safe. Which is as much of a priority as anything else, right? You have to take care of the community first and foremost. Absolutely, it's the number one priority. Right, yes. So we got fire mitigation, and that goes hand in hand really with the resiliency, right? Because it sounds like that you're putting these plans in place. Is every, I would assume everybody is on board with these initiatives. Like when you talk about climate action, like it's a lot of, you have a lot of members. I know it's a small area, but you have a lot of members. Is there dissent among the group or is most people like, yes, this is what we need to do in order to thrive and survive? I think we're all farmers Mm -hmm. and we all live by mother nature. And so in our industry, we need to be committed to the environment and we are. And I think we've been leaders in that and we continue to be in the community. We have um, even Napa Green is being rolled out to our hotels right now in Napa Valley and setting up an original certification, not just wineries, vineyards, but our businesses. But so we haven't really addressed what Napa Green looks like. Like, what does Napa Green look like for you? For me, it's all go. about continuous improvement, right? So Napa Green in the vineyard is about having the sheep there. It's about all of our different practices. Mm-hmm. We meet those requirements and, or exceed them. And then we're inspected by federal, state, and local agencies. And then every three years, we have to meet new goals that are specific to that property, whether it's how much water we're using, whether it's reducing the the amount of tillage, the type of cover crops, the composting that we're using. We sequestered an extra 1,600 tons of carbon last year in our vineyards. I mean, so we're really focusing on all of those measurements. And that's part of what Napa Green brings to it is how we measure it and then we improve it. And everything we do is like that. And it's the same thing in the vineyard. When we started, we had no solar energy. We were not using the right type of light bulbs. I mean, we had to make a lot of changes to make the first certification, but Mm -hmm. we got the winery certified in 2012. Wow. And we've been recertified every three years. 94% of our power, the winery we generate is self-generated and it's going to be a hundred this year. Darn it. I'm (laughs) going to be a hundred. Is it all solar? Solar wind? What are you using? Okay. It's all solar. Um, We recycle all of our water at the winery. We recompost out back into the vineyard, all of our wine waste solids. Mm -hmm. Um, We grow produce. We grow um, our own grapes. We encourage that biodiversity. I can look out my office window and see 15 different birds just in front of me Mm -hmm. for 15 different species. And I hear frogs 
croaking outside my window. So you know that right. you're farming sustainably when you're hearing the frogs. Right. I love that. And what about for you? Yeah, I mean, Napa Green, um, the wonderful thing about it is that, you know, it's, it's based around these different pillars. So, mm -hmm. um, whether it's, uh, pesticide use, um, waste reduction, electricity, water, social justice, um, and DEI. And, um, they've really created a certification that's very complete, but it's also accessible for smaller wineries. Right. So, because that's what I have here, yeah. right? Which I love. I love being able to hear both stories. Exactly. And, and that it works for both. Completely. And, and, you know, it, it was interesting because we got certified as a B corporation, um, just over a year ago. And that is a very complete sort of, um, cross industry certification that, uh, looks at all of the different bits of our business. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we still felt it was important to get certified Napa Green as well. Mm -hmm. The good news is once we got certified as a B Corp, it was actually super easy because we were doing a bunch of things. But I think, you know, to Emma's point, I do think that once you're working within these, these areas and these certifications, um, one of the great benefits is that it gives you good questions to ask when you're coming up against new decisions, mm -hmm. whether it's a new way to treat a vineyard or a new vendor to bring along or a new initiative to, to roll out, you actually have good questions to ask yourself about, is this something that is going to be sustainable and work towards sustainability for the long haul? Well, what's most interesting about what we're talking about today is that sustainability is also equals dollars. Mm -hmm. You know, I think you find like, you know, when you talk about maybe the car industry or some other industries, they're like, yeah, I mean, eventually, but not right now. But here, every step you make in the sustainability and taking care of the environment is it means more money at the end of the day for the business and the growth of the business. I mean, I think financial sustainability is super important. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also really important sometimes for us to balance financial outflows <laughs> with long-term inflows. And, and I think it's something that's really hard for other industries to understand. We in the wine business are a very long horizon business. Mm -hmm. um, so if you uh, think about, you know, you plant a grapevine, you're not going to get any grapes off of that for three to five years just to begin with. Right. And then once you do, you're really not going to get something that's, that's, you know, super, super, super fabulous. And, you know, where the vines are really expressing their entire personality for probably 10, 15 years. Then once you've actually harvested those. How long does that product take? Exactly. Mm -hmm. So once you've actually harvested them, okay, maybe if it's white wine, you can get something in six to 12 months. But, you know, for a lot of our Napa cabs, it's a two to three year horizon. Mm. So you're looking at easily 10 years between planting and being in the market with a wine. Mm -hmm. So, so we're thinking on, we're not, yes, we have to think about the next quarter and the next term and right. the Everybody next year. Does. Right. But really a lot of time. And I see Emma nodding because yes. as a CEO, <laughs> right. Like, we are trying to look 10 to 20 years in the future mm -hmm. and say, okay, what should we be doing now to ensure that we will still be relevant and sustainable then? And I think that's a really, it's it's a challenge, but it's such a gift when you're talking about some of these issues. Well, crystal balls are tough, right? They are. They're very tough. And 
And one of the things that, you know, when we look at when we're planting a vineyard, we're like, oh, well, we're going to have to delay and we won't plant for another year because we need to do X, Y, and Z to make it perfect. Because I don't want the person 30 years from now to say, Emma, why did you do this? Why did you and Michael do this? We, you know, because I'm not going to be there when that vineyard's at its prime, right? Mm -hmm. And I need to be planting for the next generation. Best practices, yeah, right? Absolutely. And new practices too. Right. Mm -hmm. Which right. I mean, I assume new ones are coming up all the time. All the time. Well, and this is something I think also people don't realize. Wine is not about having a recipe that you follow. Mm. It's every single year, Mother Nature gives us new things. Um, some really lovely, some quite challenging. <laughs> right. And it's all about how we take those and do the best we can mm -hmm. with what we've been given. So every single year, again, I, mean, I was talking about this before, we're constantly thinking about, all right, how can we innovate? What can we do? What are the little experiments we can try to see mm -hmm. if this will work or that will work? Sometimes those things work and sometimes they don't. Um, and, yeah. you know, the research and development is actually, yes, we're agricultural. Yes, we're a very old school kind of business, but we're also really on the cutting edge mm -hmm. with a lot of things. And I think the vintners are very good um, also on the educational side of helping us really push that envelope. UC Davis, obviously, mm -hmm. Emma's alma mater, um, is also really a wonderful resource for us in that way. Well, it just sounds like innovation is a huge part of everything with the wine world. Everything. Which is only interesting because I don't think the layperson really knows how important innovation is. You know, you think about like some farmer and the, you know, walking through the vines, do you know what I mean? Picking the grapes. With a PhD in viticulture. Right, exactly. <laughs> Without the, but or the massive technology that's involved exactly. with the creation of the wine. Um, I know you both have to get going. So just quickly, can we talk a little bit about name protection? what that means for all of you, um, because I know that it's very, very important in Italy. They have DOCG. I mean, there's ways to confirm champagne. We all know champagne is only champagne and not sparkling. So how does that work for you all? Name protection is a huge issue, and uh, not only do we advocate for Napa name uh, protection rights, we advocate for name protection rights of all regions around the world, especially here in the U.S. And so when we're here to uh, uh, let members of Congress know that there are issues that take place um, uh, with na with regional names, mm -hmm. we're, we're speaking on behalf of the entire industry. Okay. Um, uh, wine place. I think anyone who's in the industry agrees that that's the single most important um, aspect of your wine growing region is your specific place. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we were the first region to get uh, geographic indication status, uh, shortened to GI status in the European Union, mm -hmm. um, uh, outside of the European Union. Uh, we were the first to get GI status uh, in China. And most recently, uh, the 27th country that we have earned geographic indication status in uh, is Vietnam. And what um, it means to have a GI status is that you then have the rights in that country to uh, protect your own name. Hmm. And um, so we advocate both here in the United States as well as um, all around the world. And uh, we are part of a founding group of regions uh, who um, have banded together to uh, work on this um, and come up with solutions around the world. Uh, and that is the Wine Origins Alliance. That's, um, I don't think people realize how important it is. 
Yeah, to know where your wine is from, to understand. I mean, we never talked about terroir or anything like that today, but it's such a, it's so important. You don't want your name bastardized. Well, and it's an important part of the label. I mean, I think one of the most important things that you can look at on a label is the back label mm -hmm. and where the wine came from, how it was made, and the level of control that the government puts on what you can put on that label is super important. Mm -hmm. And making sure that that is respected around the world is essential to having a quality and authentic wine. Great. Yeah, and I would also just say that I think it's super important um, for our consumers mm -hmm. that when they see Napa on a label, they can trust that it not only came from Napa, but a certain number of, you know, percentage of the grapes were exactly from this place made in this way. Um, and even more today than ever, um, younger consumers particularly are, you know, I think we've all become very skeptical consumers mm -hmm. with good reason. And so being able to give people that confidence is very important. Well, there's also a more educated consumer out there, 100%. right? I mean, especially in the wine world, if you go back 30 years, what people knew, I think, collectively compared to today. Okay. I know you're also busy. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you joining me. Very quickly, will you tell everybody where they can find you, find your wine, whether Instagram, online, what would you like to tell Absolutely. us? Absolutely. You can always find us on the socials, um, at Twanwa Wine. Uh -huh. um, and we We are... will have the spelling in the show notes. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> and uh, twanwawine.com. Mm -hmm. um, we sell all of our wines direct to consumer and you can find them all there. Excellent. What are you drinking right now? Um, right now, actually, I'm really looking forward to having a glass of Chardonnay or maybe Emma Sauvignon Blanc because okay, it's delicious. Great. Excellent. Emma, please, same. So you can find us at saintsupery.com, S-T-S-U-P-E-R-Y.com. Mm -hmm. And that's our same social channel on all most channels, not TikTok, but... Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's another conversation. Okay. <laughs> it is another conversation. <laughs> Okay, and what are you drinking right now? And I'm going to have a little Sauvignon Blanc because it's that kind of day. It's beautiful. It's sunny, and mm -hmm. it's springtime. Let's and it's going to be Sauvignon Blanc Day next week, next Friday, oh. May fifth. Sauvignon oh. Blanc Day. Oh my God! Mark your calendar. Mark okay. your calendar, Teresa. Please tell everybody where we can find everything, all the initiatives, everything that Napa Valley Vintners is working on, please. Sure. Uh, NapaVintners.com. Uh, same with all of our socials, Napa Vintners, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, mm -hmm. etc. Um, and I'm going to just talk about what I'm drinking these days. I was going to ask you, but I didn't want you to say a name because it's like picking a child. No, I can't for sure. <laughs> right. So I'm just going to go with Chardonnay and I am... Uh, finding that I have a renewed and uh, interest in Chardonnay, and I am loving all the styles that are coming out of Napa and around the world. And so uh, I'm going to find myself a glass of Chardonnay when we're done. Excellent. So they all had a skedaddle because there is a huge tasting going on. I'm at the Duck and the Peach once again. Uh, actually, the Duck and the Peach is over here. I am in the gorgeous Wells where uh, I was just joined by these wonderful women who are doing amazing thing, amazing things in the Napa Valley wine industry. So I want to thank you all for joining me today. I hope you learned a lot because I certainly did. Always look at that bottle. Make sure you know where your wine is from. Duh. And if you haven't tried some Napa Valley wines recently, you should really check out what's going on there, especially their dedication to sustainability and taking care of their environment and their employees. It's, um, it's everything is going to be better.
when you drink Napa wine. So I thank them for joining me. I thank you for joining me. Uh, and I thank the Wells and Hollis uh, Wells Silverman uh, for allowing me to do the show here today. Uh, just a quick reminder, you want to be following me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, not TikTok. Um, what else am I on? All of it. I'm on all of it. So you want to check it out. Oh, and of course, you want to subscribe to the show industry night with Nikki Nellis. Thanks to Hardcast Media. We're now on YouTube. So check it out. And hey, always like pop me questions. Let me know if you have anything. Of course, anybody that I'm talking to, I can always get a question to them as well. So I thank you for joining me. Be safe out there and have a delicious week. Produced by HeartCast Media.